You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Today, as I'll add it myself, is uh, Lord, help me to uh, have printer issues and my cloud not work properly and have to preach from memory today. So that would be a line to add to that song, and we'll see if I'm stronger for it in a few minutes. Uh, but you pray for me today. But uh, I, I ask you the question today, have you, ever, have you ever maybe had a job or been in a situation in your life to where you have felt like just a number? Uh, that you didn't really matter, that in the big scheme of things, you're just a number. You're just another one of the people that can be replaced. Uh, and maybe you've even worked for a job to where they've even told you as much. You, you can be replaced. Uh, you're, you're really not all that important to us. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but it's not a very good place to be. I, I'm thankful that, uh, that I can say that the jobs I've had were pretty good. I, uh, I know my, the, the job I had at Polaris, I was uh, 68117, my number. Uh, but I can truly say that working at Polaris, I did not feel like a number there. I really enjoyed my time on that job. But what I want to tell you today is that to God, you are more than just a number. You're more than just another person. And I want to say on top of that, in, in this church, at Elk Point Baptist Church, you're more than just a number. You're more than just, if you're doing something for God, you're more than just a means to an end. See, in, in our text in Nehemiah chapter number 7, where we've been preaching through the book of Nehemiah, we've taken a couple breaks here and there, but back in Nehemiah chapter number 7, I want to preach about your worth in the work. Your worth in the work. Let's read the first few verses here, and then we'll continue to discuss these verses. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now it came to pass, when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors, and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot and while they stand still. And you can go on through there. Verse number 4, the Bible says, Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not builded. And God put in mine heart to gather together the nobles and the rulers and the people that they might be reckoned by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of them, which came up at the first and found written therein, and then it goes into all these names. And so for the rest of the service, I want to preach to you every one of these names and their meanings over the next 70-something verses. I'm totally kidding. Um, but but, but I, I will refer to these names in just a moment. But what we understand is, is, is getting back up to the book of Nehemiah. We understand, number one, the book of Nehemiah, we see the redemptive message going on there. Because for one thing, we understand that the temple that's being rebuilt, that has been rebuilt, and the walls that have, are now being put around the city are the same walls that are going to be there that Jesus Christ is going to minister in. And as a matter of fact, if this temple hadn't been rebuilt, and if the walls hadn't been rebuilt, folks, the, the prophecies concerning Christ could not have come to pass outside of a preserved city. And God used these people to help fulfill His purpose and His calling that would ultimately lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, even looking at a pe people building an ancient wall in the book of Nehemiah, we see that it's still leading and points to redemption. And it points to Christ. 
But these people matter. 52 days, if you'll remember, it took them to build this wall, to do the work. Man, they got together and they accomplished the work for God. 52 days. But what I would submit to you today that we can see in this chapter is that it's not just the work of building the walls that God was doing. It was also the work of building these people that God was doing. Because again, people aren't just numbers in the work of God. God cares about each individual. And when it comes to God, what you bring to the table. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Maybe you've been in an interview and they've said, tell us what you bring to the table. Tell us what you have to offer. Well, here's the good news. When it comes to the Lord, the greatest thing you have to offer is you. Because the one who created you, that makes you valuable in and of itself. I mean, uh, as many of you know, if, if, if you go buy stuff, how many of you know brand names really seem to mean a lot sometimes? And sometimes there's a reason. Sometimes that there's brands that are just better quality. Sometimes it's just cooler to have that brand name on there. There's a signature. There's an autograph. But I want to tell you that stamped upon each of you today is the image of Almighty God. Therefore, that makes you valuable as a person. And on top of that, you're valuable because Jesus Christ, as we've mentioned many times, how much something is worth comes down to what somebody's willing to pay. And Jesus shed His blood for you. So that tells me again, you're valuable to God. So therefore, what do you offer? What do you bring to the table? It's you. It's you. But what God's doing is trying to build these people, use these people, because God has placed you on this earth for a reason. And I want to I hurry to say this, because if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. God put you on this earth for the purpose of knowing Him. He died on the cross. He shed His blood there. He, rose, he was buried, rose again the third day so that you might be forgiven of your sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is a transgression. Sin separates from God. Sin uh, puts us at enmity with God. That was embarrassing. Uh, it put, <laughs> felt like Tourette's for a second there or something. But uh, it puts us at enmity with God. All right? And so it's the idea that they were separated. But God, what He did on the cross, He did so that you might be restored. And He wants you to put your faith and trust in, in Him uh, as Savior. So again, the, what's he doing? He's building a people. He's doing a work through these people. See, and as we go through this chapter, what we're going to see, and we're just going to highlight a few things and principles here, but what we're going to find out is your worth, your value. See, you know, in the world today, we're often validated by what we do, by our accomplishments, by the success we attain. And that puts us up here. Now, that's not just in the secular world. That takes place in the religious world, too. The more you have to offer in some religions and some churches, well, the, the more value you have but, and, and the more worth you have. But I titled the message, Your Worth in the Work, because it's not your work that brings your worth. As I've already said, your worth is already there. So as God's people, we do what we do. I, listen, I surrendered my life. We, we looked at the verse today at, at, during the Sunday school hour, uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, where the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Give yourself, offer your life to God. Give Him your all. You know what? I surrendered my life. And now this is something you have to do on a regular basis. I've not yet arrived, believe me. I have to do this regularly. But there came a point in my life to where I said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do, and I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And so the reason I surrendered my life to God, which ultimately led me to standing here in this very moment, the reason I did that wasn't so that I could prove myself to God or to show God how much I loved Him. No. It's because I know how much He loves me. And I know what He's already said about me. I know I'm worth something to Him. Therefore, I serve. Therefore, I surrender. I know because of His sacrifice what I mean. Therefore, I'm not trying to prove myself. You get what I'm saying? My value is not in my performance. My value is in His love for me. My value is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is cool. Think about it now. We've got this long list of names uh, in chapter number 7. Now be honest with me. If you're a Bible reader, how do you feel when you come to a chapter like Nehemiah 7? You turn the page and you say, oh boy. And then you look over and you turn the page again and you, you see these were the sons of this one and this one begat that one and you're just like, oh my goodness. Now, there are some of you that are much more spiritual than me and you get excited when you see those names there. And you just say, man, this is going to be a good one today. This is going to be a good one today. But for a lot of us, we're just like, Lord, help me. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. My attitude toward these chapters is God put this in there for a reason. Therefore, I'm going to read it the best I can. Uh, or listen to it or whatever it is that I may be doing in the moment. But the point I'm making is, let's, let's just try to think of how this applies to you. God Almighty chose these people in this chapter for the time that we're reading about. A time that's huge. I mean, this is a significant moment that God has them in. I mean, they are preparing the way of the Lord, as it were. They're preparing the way for the Messiah and for the, for the world to know about Jesus, ultimately. And let me tell you this today. You, you are here. You are the people that are here for this day, for this time. You are called. You are meant to be here now. And if I could just do my best to convince, you're no accident. It's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that you're here for such a time as this. On a regular basis, when I see someone come to Christ, when, when I see someone unite with the church and begin to find ways to try to serve within and without the church, the, one of the verses that comes to my mind, and I mean it with all sincerity, is I go back to the book of Esther to where uh, the, the, you find the statement about how Esther was born for such a time as this. And I believe wholeheartedly that you are the people for this time. We are here for such a time as this. There's a glorious purpose. You may wish you lived in a different time. You may wish things were different in the time that you lived in. But we are the ones who can make a difference. We're the ones who can invest our life in the things that matter for God Almighty. We can make a difference for God. So what did God do? He calls the people out. He raised up Nehemiah, and Nehemiah goes to this people and says, Folks, 
God's got a work for us to do. God called this people, He called more people than He called out of Babylon to come gather together to help populate the city and populate the area. See, there's a calling. And I'm telling you, God's calling you today. If you don't know Christ as Savior, He's calling you to know Him as Savior. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God the Son. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the light. He indeed gave His life for you. And if you're here today, if you're listening today, you are not here, you're not hearing this by accident. And it's no coincidence. Folks, you are hearing a divine calling and invitation from the God who loves you and made you today. You're being called unto Him for salvation. But I want to say also, number two, if you're saved by God's grace, if you are a Christian, He's calling you as well. Now, we may all have different callings. Not all of our callings are to get up here and try to not make a fool out of yourself, you know. Not always successful in that. But sometimes our calling, uh, but we all have a calling. We all have a part to play. There's a wall being built, and everybody has some part in this building. And and, and I want to notice just quickly a a few of the parts that we find here throughout these verses. We we read verses uh, 1 and 2. What you find out in verse number 2 is you find a man, you'd find Nehemiah's brother, Hananiah. And you find Hananiah. And basically, what did God do? God had people who, God was calling people to help. Nehemiah couldn't do the work by himself. God was calling people to help. He was calling people to work. He was calling people to say, where can I help out? Man, I thank God for people with a volunteer spirit. You know, because if we're not careful, sometimes we can have the attitude of, we can have it with the Lord, we can have it at work, we can have it at church, and if I could give the young people or younger people in general a suggestion, man, be willing and eager at work. If you've got a job, man, don't just sit around and wait to be told to do something. Do something. And if you're asked to do something, do it with diligence. And do it for the glory of God. But may we be like that too. Sometimes, oh, you know, I've had preacher, I'd, I'd love to do something, would you? Yeah, what needs to be done? Well, we need, oh, and I can just see people's eyes glaze over. I need help organizing uh, this team that we're working on. You know. Well, I tell you, but, but uh, we really need help. Uh, we, 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 you know, we got some people that are working hard and, and cleaning the church and upkeep, but we could really use some other people to chip in on that. Well, I was kind of more thinking that I could be up here maybe and... Uh, or whatever the case is. Uh, but thank God for the others that are just like, okie dokie, I can do that. And, and, and that, that's a good attitude to have, all right? But, but the point is, just help. He, Nehemiah just said, I need some guys to help. And they said, well, what do you need to help do? I, I don't know. There's a lot of times I, I appreciate the guys and people I'll call when I'm doing a funeral uh, or a wedding or something like that. And by the way, there's some that I don't call. They just show up, amen. Uh, uh, Deidre's uh, one of those. She'll just show up uh, and be here. I just figured you need something. What do you need? I don't know. I may need somebody to help on the computer and the sound system. I may need somebody to help the funeral director with something. I may need, I don't know. But, but Nehemiah had people that just said, wherever there's help needs to be, I'll be there. So there's a call to help. Not only is there a call to help, uh, there's a call to help. There's also a call to guard. There's a call to guard. Um, give me a moment. Let's see. 
If I can, uh, again, here's where we're... Uh, there, there's people that God called to guard somewhere in these chapters. And I have it in my outline somewhere. Uh, well, what it says right here, it says, number one, he's got gatekeepers, all right? Uh, verse number three, And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot, and while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches uh, over the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in his watch and every one to be over against his house. So what did he do? He had gatekeepers. He had diligent gatekeepers. He had discerning gatekeepers. Um, Great Wall of China. Anybody ever seen the Great Wall of China? I never have, but I think it'd be cool to see. I'd like to see that. You haven't seen it? You haven't been there? Ride your four-wheeler across there? Well, if you were going to do it, take some fuel. Because the Great Wall of China, anybody know how long that sucker is? 13,000 miles long. Now, here's an interesting thing. Over the years, the Great Wall of China, they, they say those walls, to say they were breached four times probably isn't the right way to phrase it. But that the enemy got through the Great Wall of China historically at least four times. Here's the interesting thing about it, though. All four times, from what I read, the gatekeepers were bribed. And they just let the enemy come in. They didn't have to breach the walls, climb the walls, defend off arrows and everything. Somebody just let them in. So what did Nehemiah... Listen, some of the work has to do with being a gatekeeper. And I'll tie into the gatekeeper. We'll just go with the guards, too, because he said we have people. You want to know one of the reasons why God has blessed this church? We started the church 11 years ago. We just had our anniversary. Uh, but I'm telling you, we've had some guards and gatekeepers here. We've had people that are saying, you know what? I'm being discerning and I'm being careful what I let in. I'm being careful what I let into my life. Uh, anybody, ever, uh, be, anybody ever get tempted to let a bad attitude to creep in? You know? Well, I wanted my way in this, and I didn't get my way, and I'm certain this is the best thing, and by golly, I'm going to die on this mountain. You know, but you know what? No. There's gatekeepers. And what I'm talking about is gatekeeping even with ourselves, right? Because we can be our own enemy. We preached a couple weeks ago about a saint and Satan service. No, there's guards and there's gatekeepers. And, it, and, and it's watching and it's guarding about what we have coming into our lives, what we have coming into our church. We're discerning. We don't just say, hey, this guy happened to quote a verse of the Bible. He must be a Christian. Or this song happens to mention something about God. That must be a God-honoring song. And so let's bring... Well, no, we're, we're a little more discerning than that. We try to be gatekeepers because the Bible does say that the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. So there was guards, there was gatekeepers... Uh, there were a, a number of people who volunteered. Uh, I know uh, another one of the things that I remember is when you get down into uh, somewhere down around verse number 70, you find out that there were people who were designated to worship, people who were designated singers, people who were designated serving in the temple. The Bible says in verse number, let's see, verse, look at verse number 60. The Bible says all the Nethanims, the children of Solomon's servants, were 390 and 2. And these were they which went up also with Telmai and Teresha and Cherub and Adon and Emmer. But, but they could not show their father's house. And we preached about that not too long ago. Verse 63 begins to talk about the priest. Uh, verse 64, these that sought their register. But you, oh, here we go. Look at number 67. The Bible says, beside their manservants and their maidservants, of whom there were 7,000 
337, and they had 245 singing men and singing women. There was a call to help. There was a call to be gatekeepers and to guard. There was a call to worship. There was a call to worship. 245 singers were designated. Aren't you glad for those who use their gifts to help lead us in worship in this church? But I'm telling you, it's not just the singers that lead. It's those of us that participate as well. They were called to worship. Man, listen, when Jesus had that conversation with the woman at the well, they were having a conversation about worship. And He said, they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And so, folks, man, we are called to be worshipers of Almighty God. We're, we're called to do that. It, we, we talked about earlier all the different ways we can worship God. That's what we talked about in the first hour. But so many ways that we worship Him through our acts, through our service, through our praise. God called us to be worshipers. Now think about again the context of Nehemiah. The temple's been rebuilt. The, the walls are being built around it. What does that do? That shines as a light in darkness to the the people that that do not know God around them. What does it do? It glorifies God. You know, from the very beginning, really, the the chief uh, purpose of man has been to glorify God. Because you know what that does, though? But that's not the end. It's not just we glorify God and then we walk away. No, we glorify God. Why? Because that shines as a light. And then then, then, then men are drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ, those for whom He died, those to whom He wants to show His grace and His love and His mercy. Worship glorifies God. So there we're worshiping Him. I like the servant part. I read this verse already. But in verse 60, 60, the Bible says, All the Nethanims, a call to serve. We've talked about service in general. And and Solomon's servants were 392. Now, the Nethanims, there's two groups mentioned in these verses. The Nethanims is one of them. The other one is Solomon's servants. The point I'm simply trying to make to you is this. Neither one of these, from what we study, neither one of these are Jewish people. These groups are Gentiles. These groups are people who were once in darkness. These people were those who were once lost. They were worshiping idols. They were worshiping many gods. They did not know the one true God. But now they've been brought into the people of God. Now they do know the one true God who created them and who made them uh, for a purpose and, and wants to draw them. So that's who these people are now that are serving in the temple. And if you go back and study some of them, you know, it relates to Atreyu's message on Wednesday because some of these people, some people believe that these people were related to uh, the uh, Gideonites, uh, the ones who deceived, deceitfully come to Joshua back there. But whatever the reason, the point is this. They were happy to serve. Why? Because they were just glad they'd been brought out of darkness. Amen? It was just a blessing to be a part of what God was doing. And that was kind of their attitude. So there was the call to worship. But if there's one overriding thing that I believe this all comes down to in this chapter, this chapter full of all these names that we didn't take the time to read, is this. I started with it. I'm going to end with it. People matter to God. These people, folks, were a bridge between the Old Testament prophets and prophecies and the promises that God had to come. And once again, I believe today that you and I are a bridge. 
for something God's trying to do. You know, it was mentioned earlier that we need to be salt and light in this world. God never meant for the church to be off somewhere tucked in the corner and not having an effect on society around it. We wouldn't have a country if that was the case. Folks, we are to be involved. We are to be salt and light in this world. We, too, are bridges. We are the people. And here's the cool thing. You go down through all these names. And if there, one reason we should maybe read these names if you're reading your Bible is because God put them there and God knows better than me. They're there for a reason. But then I stop for a moment and I think about the reason. Now, to you, uh, you know, Betha Zemiveth. Anybody here named Betha Zemiveth? Uh, you don't know who that is. Steve's middle name. You don't care. You might not even care who that is. You're probably not naming your child that. You don't know who that is. But God does. God knows who Bezalelah is. We'll maybe get to meet him one day. But God knows. Why? See, because he was one of those people who were called for this time, who stepped up and said, yes, I'll do something for God. And God said, gotcha, man. I appreciate you, Bezalelah, whatever your name is. Uh, I, matter of fact, in my eternal word, I'm going to write your name. And I'm not just going to write his name. I'm going to write down, you know, Netophah, verse 26. And I'm going to write down Anathoth. And I'm going to write down uh, Kerjath-Jerim and Baroth and Ramah and Geba and, and, and Mitchmas. And all the, can you imagine Mitchmas? Can you imagine if Mitchmas ever wore Mitchmatch socks or something one day? No wonder they name you Mitchmas. You know, you don't even know how to match. Um, that probably didn't happen. These people matter. Here's the point. You matter to God, He's keeping a record. He's writing it down. Now, I want to tell you that it ought to be motivating enough for me to serve God when nobody's watching and be faithful to God when nobody's watching because I know He's watching and all He's done for me. But if there's nothing else... but Have you ever had times that you've gotten frustrated doing the work for God? Especially if you're quite literally doing physical labor. I'll tell you something else. You know, it's not just up here cleaning or working and feeling like it doesn't get proper recognition or serving in some other thing. You know, one of the tough things that some of you can identify with is when you try to start a Bible study or you try to start something and nobody shows up or just two or three show up or, uh, you know, and I tease sometimes. I'm like, man, you know, try starting a church. Amen. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, and try, you know, try, you know, because what, you know what it is, you study and you work and you labor and hear poor pitiful me, you know, for, for, through the word of God. And you're so excited to get here. Can you imagine? I think I've heard it illustrated this way. Some of you moms and grandmas might be able to appreciate this. Okay. I've heard it given this illustration, you know, a mom working hard on that meal, families coming, family get together Sunday afternoon after church. Man, mom started working on Friday or Saturday on this stuff. Getting it together. Putting in the work. And then family get-together comes around. And here comes old Steve coming in the house eating a hot dog he picked up at the convenience store, you know. 
And he's not hungry. He's always hungry, so that don't apply to Steve, but uh, he's not hungry. Well, aren't you going to eat? Oh, no. And where's, you know, where's Tavian today? Oh, he decided he was just going to go. They're stopping by Dairy Queen, and they'll be around later. Well, I say that because if you're a person that's trying to get a Bible study together or a message together, you've been working hard, man. It's a labor of love. And then you come, it's Wednesday, it's Sunday, time to get together. Man, I can't wait to see the joy on their faces when I feed them. And here comes Steve eating a hot dog. You know what I'm saying. So, uh, poor pitiful me. No, it's a great thing. But I'm telling you, it can be rough. But what you've got to be able to walk away and say, promise you this, God's watching. God knows what you did. I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I should mention this, but you know what I think of? Times even when I'll just pick some, a piece of trash or something that some body, I was about to say some teenager, but it's not always a teenager, uh, but somebody leaves on the floor. You know what I think when I do that? God's watching. And I'm happy to do it anyway, don't get me wrong, but God, God sees it all. He knows the stuff you're doing. And you know what we find out here? He's keeping a record. He's keeping a record. He's got your name written down because you matter. He's got your name written down because what you do matters. We've got this long list of people. He knows your name. He knows your work. He knows your labor of love. And the Bible promises us, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, if I'm not mistaken, but that He's faithful and He will not forget your labor of love. He will not forget the work that you do. So, let's all stand today. I may have had a better closing there in my notes somewhere. I don't know. But, uh, but today, I will say this. He knows your name. He's got a calling for you. And I ask you this. Number one, have you answered His call for salvation? Have you received Christ as your Lord and your Savior? I, I, I love sharing John three sixteen. I, I shared it earlier. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that whosoever, you know what that means? That means you. That's you. He did that for you. What does it say? He gave His only begotten Son. That's a gift. And your responsibility is to receive that gift. To acknowledge your need for Him. To acknowledge there is, there is no other God but Him. There is no other Savior. The Bible says there's none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. The name Jesus Christ. Have you answered His call for salvation? If you haven't, you can do that today. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it says this, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. We believe up here, but the Bible says we believe with the heart. What do we believe? We acknowledge our sin and separation from this holy God. And we believe that He did what He said He would do. How about you today? Have you received that gift?
child of God, I, you know what I was wanting to do today as much as anything for you that are saved by God's grace? I just want to encourage you. Man, you've got a calling. You've been called. You've been called out of Babylon to a greater service. They say as a preacher that you ought not start recognizing people sometimes, you know. Because I'll recognize this and I'll remember, oh yeah, and I remember what, you know. But then there's somebody else always sitting over there that I don't acknowledge. So they say don't even do it in the first place, you know, and I obviously don't practice that. But maybe you've been in that situation. Wow, preacher, you always compliment them for what they do in the church, but I don't know the last time you said something about what I've been doing in the church. Hey, I'm sorry. I really am. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But I just want you to know, the one who really matters sees it. He sees it. He's keeping a record. He's got your name down. He knows that person you're trying to win to the Lord. He knows that work that you're trying to do. Keep it up. Don't stop. The blessing is to serve Him, is it not? But the Bible says He's keeping a record. The Bible says He's going to give us a reward. He's going to enable me to do something I couldn't do on my own, and then He's going to reward me for it. Ain't God good? Amen. But uh, So whatever your need may be today, I want to encourage you, child of God, invest in things that matter. Invest your life, invest your time in the work of Almighty God. Do something. Make sure you're doing something for Jesus. And if you don't know Christ as Savior today, you can know Him today. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for Your faithfulness. I thank You for Your blessings. I thank You, God, that You love us. And I'm glad that we have a value to You. Lord, You proved that in creation. You proved that in the cross and salvation. But I pray, God, if there be anyone here today that has yet to call on You for salvation, if You're calling them today, if You're speaking to their hearts today, God, I pray right now in this moment, as Kim just plays softly this morning, I pray, God, that from their hearts, they will say, Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and my Savior. God, I pray that you'll encourage your people to work for you. Encourage your people just to keep on doing it for the right reason. God, help us not to work for validation. Help us not to be you know, just so performance-oriented. Help us to perform, but help us to do it with the right reason and the right motive. And that's just because, man, you're good, I'm worth something in you, and it's just a joy to be able to serve you. Help us to have that attitude, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Hey, well, thank you so much for coming today. Uh, We're going to be dismissed in a